Health officials around the world are working tirelessly to stem the tide of COVID-19. And one of the key facets of that is testing. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Today I'm joined by National Post reporter Tom Blackwell by phone to discuss what countries are successful with testing, how they've made a dent in the pandemic, and what Canada could do to up its capacity. Don't forget, as you're sheltering at home in self-isolation due to COVID, there's plenty of podcasts for you to listen to. We are available on all the major podcasting platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Tom, as this virus spreads around the world and healthcare workers and citizens do their best to prevent the spread, one of the things that we're hearing a lot about is testing. There was initially a shortage of testing capacity in many countries, while other countries poured a lot of resources into it. Break down for us, what role does testing play in fighting COVID-19? Well, I guess the testing, um, as with really any kind of infectious disease, is, is uh, I think, considered crucially important because it basically, with an epidemic, it tells us essentially what is happening, who's been infected and, and where, and who needs to be kept in, in isolation, who should we go after in terms of seeing if they have been in contact with that person. It sort of it helps you kind of manage the epidemic. And sort of without that knowledge, it's, it's hard to keep track of things. And I think that's essentially in the early days, weeks of, of, of this situation, that's sort of what happened is, is, is we sort of lost lost control of it and uh, it got to a point where sort of the only uh, recourse was was to impose these sort of uh, you know large scale stay at home orders which were which were under now still what are the current testing methods can you talk a little bit about that kind of how we test for it and how that was developed and whether that's a good way of doing things or if there are any pitfalls yeah i mean the, the tests that are done now uh, virtually all of them are what are called P- PCR tests, and and they are done in a laboratory, and well, at this point, anyways, and they look for the genetic footprint of the virus, uh, which has been previously identified. It essentially identifies that you are uh, at this point infected with the virus that causes COVID-19. That's what we're using almost entirely now, and it's done almost entirely in labs. The Famous swabs that are taken are sent into a lab and, and, and tested. And although we are going to, seems like soon, have uh, rapid tests that can actually be done sort of in a, at a hospital or doctor's uh, office sort of quickly, uh, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, so that's one type of test. There's also what are called serological or, or antibody tests. And they're probably more effective for determining whether someone has been infected or exposed to the virus, but could be very important as well, to, you know, in terms of de- determining how widespread this is in the population. And also, again, who, who's been infected uh, and is presumably now immune and, and could, you know, go out in the public and go back to work, that, that, that kind of thing. Which countries have been successful so far when it comes to testing and how has their success with testing impacted their infection rate and the number of cases they've had? Testing is not sort of the only tool. It's, it, it works hand in hand with other sort of longstanding traditional tools of epidemic control. But some of the countries that have, that have done a lot of testing have included South Korea, Germany, Singapore, and Taiwan. And, and Singapore 
Taiwan and, and South Korea have, have been particularly successful in that they've managed to keep their outbreaks under control to a large extent, and yet uh, have not had to resort to the, the mass uh, sort of lockdowns that, that we've seen in Canada and, and in the United States and so many other uh, countries. And they've done that, again, in part because they've done widespread testing and have uh, then been able to sort of jump on on those results and both quarantine strictly the people that are found to be positive and then go after their possible contacts and test them as well. In Germany, they are under a similar kind of lockdown as, as we are, but they've managed to uh, keep their the number of cases down relatively low and the death rate is, is fairly low, uh, lower than ours. And they're doing something like 200,000 tests a week. It's hard to get hard figures from Germany because they, they don't sort of release the number of negative tests, only the positive ones. But but the, the government officials have estimated about 200,000 a week. In Canada, we have done 240,000 or so in, in total. So it gives you an idea of the difference. And certainly there's countries that have done worse than Canada. You talk about getting in touch with the contacts of people who have tested positive. What is contact tracing? How widespread is it? And what is its importance here? It is like one of the sort of the mainstays of fighting an epidemic of any sort. And years ago, I, I covered the uh, the SARS outbreak here in Toronto. And, uh, you know, m- remember getting the, the updates on what public health was doing about that. And, and often it involved someone who's tested positive here. So now we've gone out and we've tracked down all these other people who've had contact with that person or, or may have. And, you know, and, and they're going to be in quarantine and that kind of thing. And again, so the same kind of uh, countries that are really gone after this in an aggressive way, like like Taiwan and, and Singapore and, and South Korea. And they've used all kinds of methods to do this effectively, including using technology. In Singapore, they've even recruited police officers, detectives, to be part of the, the contact tracing process, thinking that a police officer knows how to track down people and uh, that kind of thing. So they have kind of the, the basic skills for, for doing this. But the point is, that from the beginning, they dedicated those kind of resources to this, and, and it's been quite effective. Now, you mentioned that Canada is doing quite a bit of testing, but obviously isn't doing as much testing as some of these other countries. Is it just a capacity issue? Could Canada be doing more testing or how do we get more testing online? Is it we need new technologies for testing or new methods of testing or more resources? Kind of what what would allow Canada to up its game as far as identifying people who have COVID-19? I think that we are doing, at this point, all we can with, with the resources that we have. So it's definitely a case of needing more, more resources, more of the test kits that are being used to do the laboratory tests, and also looking towards the so-called point-of-care rapid tests. This is, I think, as I mentioned before, where you know you are tested sort of on the spot in a hospital or a doctor's office or whatever, you get the result in a relatively short period of time. There's one piece of technology in the States that is, I think, is virtually ready to be rolled out there, made by uh, Abbott. In Canada, the governments are dealing with a, an Ottawa company that's developed a, a similar device, I guess, that, that should be able to do this, where you would get your results in like half an hour. So that kind of thing definitely would expand the number of tests that could be done and get the results faster, because that's, you know, that's another problem. We have huge delays now in, in getting the results of tests. It could be deployed more widely so we could get a, a broader picture of what this virus is doing and how far it's spread and how many people are infected. 
There's also another type of test, antibody tests, which have a slightly different function, but could also be quite useful. Again, it's acquiring the equipment and, and uh, resources to, to do that. That's the issue at this point. You mentioned that antibody tests kind of allow us to test for people who have also had the virus. What would that do in terms of helping us understand the spread or helping us limit the spread of the virus if you're testing people that may have antibodies, meaning they've previously had it but don't have it anymore? I think in most cases, yeah, those would be people who have been infected but are no longer infectious. Um, And uh, presumably, as far as you know, anyways, w- would be Im- immune. So, I mean, that that would be useful, especially for healthcare workers in, in determining that someone, you know, can work without fear of infecting themselves and, and also of potentially in, infecting, uh, you know, a patient or, or a co-worker in, in a hospital or wherever. Um, I mean, it could also help in terms of allowing other people to, to go back to work and restart the economy. And then in terms of epidemiology, it would also, again, enable us to paint a better picture of what's going on and how far this has spread and where we need to look for possible outbreaks and that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I think, again, it would, it would have a number of sort of benefits, I guess. What about the idea of home testing? Is there concern that people developing tests that individuals can do at home, that there's a reliability factor, that we're better off having these tests done by medical professionals? What's the the thinking behind developing tests for citizens to use on themselves? I don't think that the idea in principle is necessarily frowned on or, or is necessarily a bad one. I, I know that there were some home tests that were being sold in the States and the FDA sort of closed that down uh, because, you know, they had concerns about whether these were legitimate or not. And I guess they certainly had not been approved by the FDA. It would, as with any of this stuff, have to be sort of properly vetted and approved by the regulators. I could be wrong here, but I believe in the UK they've obtained something like three and a half million antibody testing kits. They're also called serological tests. And I believe that some of those could be done at home. I think that is part of the plan in Britain. The British authorities are still sort of evaluating those uh, tests and, and, you know, to make sure that they are accurate, because obviously, you know, the last thing we want is, is people to be testing themselves and thinking they have a result one way or the other that, that turns out to not be uh, correct. That, that could be, uh, especially if it's done on a, on a broad scale, that, that could be pretty uh, disastrous. Could reliable testing and an increase in testing allow Canadians to get on with their lives a little more, maybe some physical distancing, green zones for people who have proven to not have the virus, or is it more a combination of we still need to self-isolate and we still need to stay away from other people, uh, but we need to increase testing so we can better identify cases? I think for now, the consensus seems to be that at least for the time being, we need to continue with the stay-at-home behavior and maximum social distancing. But I think if we want to look towards a sort of an end game, an exit strategy for this, and I think that's got to be a priority at some point, you know, to sort of get the economy going again, then I think testing would definitely be key to that in terms of identifying who's infected and who isn't. We could potentially, you know, if this current epidemic is sort of wrestled somewhat under control, I mean, I think we could potentially, through a combination of widespread testing and contact tracing, we could potentially take a more surgical uh, approach to this, you know, where people are are isolated or quarantined if they are infected or if they've had contact with infected people and everyone else could sort of go about their their lives, I guess. Um, But again, you, you have to sort of know what's going on and be on top of things. So testing obviously would be a big part of that. 
Well, it's definitely a very complicated and complex issue, and I know that it's one that our national health authorities are working very closely on. Uh, Tom, thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tom Blackwell. More from him and more coverage of the COVID-19 crisis at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thank you.